think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 51. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. A tough one, no victory Monday here. And really, this game may have set back football 100 years as the Cleveland Browns beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 13-10 to on a game-winning short field goal by Browns kicker Dustin Hopkins with two seconds remaining. Pittsburgh dropping to 6-4 and on the season third place in the AFC North Cleveland seven and three second place in the AFC North Dave I think the uh these two teams put the offensive in offensive in this one this is a, a tough game for a lot of reasons yeah and uh we still have to watch it 10 more times <laughs> yay <laughs> uh I got the all 22 looks like it's filling in we should have that uh probably in the next hour or so and all but the uh the TV tape going back through it again last night uh it seemed to take forever to get uh 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 get through that especially when you get into the second half there but uh yeah, we have a lot to talk about today and not a lot of positive, obviously, involved with it. There, there were some positives, you know, come out of that game. Jalen Warren uh, played played very well. That's one of the bright spots there. Some of the run blocking, I think, uh, uh, will look good on, on, on all 22. The defense... Look, you uh, you only allow 13 points in a game. You should you should win some of these ball games. And you know we talked about the Steelers bucking the uh, the Tox stat, T O X turnovers and explosive plays. Uh, they won the Tox stat three to nothing uh, mm. in 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 this game against the Browns. Yet obviously lost the game uh, overall there and. Uh, that's hard to do, uh, and it's also hard to have as few passing explosive plays as this team has had in what the last four games. It's like three in the last four games, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's hard to do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Overall, is somewhere somewhere in there, you know, the team's gonna miss a tackle or two on on a short pass, and you gotta get an explosive play uh, uh, that way. But uh, anyway, I kind of burying, kind of burying the lead here. And the fact is that this team uh, lost what I, I think most would consider a very winnable game from the mere standpoint that the Browns you know, we're starting a rookie quarterback, uh, in, 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 in this game and Dorian Thompson Robinson. And yet the Steelers, you know, they, they did what they were supposed to do on defense, especially when it came to the scoreboard, but, uh, obviously didn't win the game. 
I guess Pittsburgh should just lose a talk stat because that's when they seem to win games overall. Um, but that's uh, a minor footnote, I suppose, on the overall just stinker of a game that Pittsburgh had. So we're going to recap this thing, talk Kenny Pickett, talk this offense, talk about comments after the game. But quickly, before we do that, want to recap some of the roster moves and things that uh, of note that occurred prior to kickoff on Sunday. Pittsburgh making a flurry of roster moves on Saturday. They activated tight end Pat Frymuth off of injured reserve and to the 53-man roster. He played. He probably would have known it, but he did play in this game, caught one pass. Uh, so he's officially back his first game after getting hurt initially in week four, then re-injured and being placed on IR, headed to IR and on IR right now is safety Keanu Neal with the rib injury he suffered against the Packers. And then other roster moves included uh, Michael Walker getting signed to the 53-man roster. Tariq Carpenter, Trenton Thompson getting elevated from the practice squad. Uh, Thompson playing a fair amount of snaps on defense. So that's the uh, lay of the land there. From an active standpoint, Dave, just kind of run through those. Anything notable? I don't think it was really anything that um, surprised or was in the question when it comes from an, an active standpoint. No, no, and only needed six for this game due to the roster construction and numbers on that. And, you know, and I know a lot of people are disappointed that uh, Darius Rush was not active for this game, but the writing, you know, d- due to the way the numbers fell out and the elevations and, and all like that. You know, it, it, it wasn't surprising uh, at all. And really, that was the only one that might have had some sort of uh, will it or won't it happen uh, when it comes to him. But uh, obviously, he had a couple of injured players uh, ruled out for this one on on the inactive list and Montrevious Adams and and Mika Fitzpatrick. It'll be interesting to see if they can get uh, make up, you know, uh, look at this point, Montrevious is probably no longer a starter, but he can obviously rotate in there and give you some snaps. The big one to, uh, to watch this coming week will be Minka Fitzpatrick to see if they can get him back, uh, for this game against the, uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And the safety lines getting really, th- uh, really thin, excuse me, no Minka Fitzpatrick, no Keanu Neal in this game. And Neal, of course, going to miss at least the next three. And then it was Elijah Riley uh, with a high ankle injury in this game, and he left about midway through. So it left the team with what it's safe to Devontae Casey, Trenton Thompson, and Miles Killebrew. So Riley, the one known injury from this game, uh, Cam Hayward, I think, was just tired a couple times. Kenny Pickett got dirt in his eye. He did not actually end up missing a snap after that because of a, a Browns challenge. So Riley's a name to watch. And then, of course, the guys that did not play. On Minka, I don't even know, Dave, if he'll come back this week. I mean, hamstrings are tricky. The guy has not practiced once since getting hurt in week eight. It's possible. I hope for it, but I really just am in wait-and-see mode right now. Yeah, and didn't they bring in another uh, uh, Eric Rowe in for a mm-hmm. workout uh, on, what was it, Friday? So it'll be interesting to see uh, if something's there. Another news uh, tidbit, uh, Miles Jack, who we talked about at the uh, yeah. end end of the uh the podcast the other day uh entertaining some of the uh tinfoil uh thoughts uh you know with with him being released from the eagles uh i uh, retired reserve retired list uh the other day it sounds uh that there was indeed uh some smoke related to a little bit of fire uh there and it sounds like whether it be practice squad or 53 man roster He's probably going to be back on this team uh, probably by the end of this day. Heck, by, mm-hmm. may, maybe by even by the uh, time we get done with this podcast, but uh, probably by uh, Tuesday afternoon at the latest. And then it'll be interesting to see what happens with Eric uh, Eric Rowe as well, too. Someone that we've linked to the Steelers, uh, obviously, in the past. 
Yeah, he's played some corner, played some safety. I imagine at this stage in his career and for Pittsburgh's knees, it's more of a safety uh, type position. And yeah, you know, kudos to the chalk went up to the tinfoil hat wearers, Dave. They, they called it. I wasn't entirely sure what that meant about Miles Jack. We talked about it at the end of our show on Friday, I guess it was. But I think later that evening, that report came out that there was interest there. I would have to imagine he would not start on the 53. You would go practice squad, see where he's at, get him conditioned. I'm assuming he'll need some of that. And then you can play the elevation game as opposed to having to occupy a spot on the 53-man roster. But we'll talk about that more probably throughout this podcast. But it says a lot about Mark Robinson, who did not play a single defensive snap against the Browns on Sunday. It was really Landon Robertson Walker that, that dominated the snaps there. So Whenever you have a guy off the practice squad that you just signed three weeks ago in Walker and the now unretired Miles Jack playing over you, at least we assume at some point Jack will probably play over Mark Robinson. That says a lot about one Mark Robinson. Yeah, there's uh, when you're looking ahead at this point, when it comes to Mark Robinson specifically, uh, they don't trust him. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that that's 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 the storyline there. And. You know, you're talking about a guy that's a uh, uh, you know converted running back, and you know you 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 rewind all the way back to some of the things that Terrell Austin uh, said right before the season started about you know maybe we'll look to him at, at 2024. Uh, you've gotten this far down into your depth chart at this point, and you know you can't you can't find a way to get him on the field at, at this point in this game against the Browns. That that in my opinion, really speaks volumes. Uh, is he just not grasping the concepts overall, uh, the playbook, uh, the communication standpoint, all of it? Uh, it is probably a combination of a lot of things there. So, yeah, if you uh, if, ho- hopefully not a lot of people are, are Mark Robinson jersey owners uh, at, at this point or didn't go out and buy a large selection of his rookie cards or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I to come out of this game and him not get any defensive snaps, I think, is is a storyline. Oh, yeah. It's it's notable for sure, especially versus a run-heavy, run-centric Cleveland Browns team. Not exactly playing the Kansas City Chiefs or, I don't know, some real pass-happy uh, front over there. So uh, those are kind of the, the storylines. Within the storylines, of course, top line here, Pittsburgh losing this game 13-10. to 10, The offense doing almost nothing. Sands, Jalen Warren against a granted great, really good, Browns defense, but still just maybe rock bottom for this passing game overall that seems to be sinking down more and more. Kenny Pickett officially finishing the game 15 of 28, 106 yards, uh, three sacks he took on the day, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just where to begin with this one, Dave. It begins with Kenny Pickett, begins with his passing game. What are your initial thoughts and impressions? Let's go back to what we uh, uh, asked the listeners that, 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 to play the home home game version of the terrible podcast uh, on third down in this game. Uh, third down overall in this game, three of 14. 21.4%. Now, look, this this is obviously a, a very good Browns defense, right? 
Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and you would probably expect them to not be, you know, in the 40% category when it comes to this. But we talked specifically about uh, picket and passing uh, on third down and how his completion percentage uh, going into this game was, what was it, 46 or 40, whatever. It was 48%, uh, and, I think, total 46% on third and five and closer. Right. And his completion percentage on third down in this game was a little bit better than that. But uh, as far as the conversions went, you know, uh, they weren't converting. So, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot wrong in some first and second down situations uh, with, with, with Kenny Pickett. But there were opportunities in this game where uh, the offense was facing less than three uh, third and uh, five or more, and they were still having problems convert theirs. So uh, it really gets magnified in a game like this, where you already knew that that you were probably going to have problems moving the football, and you knew how key third downs were likely going to be in this game, and how the, the 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 Kenny Pickett completion percentage on third downs across the board stuck out like a sore thumb going into this game. And yeah, the completion percentage was a little bit better by him in this game. But the fact of the matter is if you're not moving the chains, you're not moving the chains. And when you throw on top of it, that this team uh, did not have a, uh, a, a passing explosive play in this game, only two explosive plays total, both on the ground, both by Jalen Warren. Luckily, one of those was a, you know, more than a triple explosive play for a, for a touchdown in there. Uh, that 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 magnifies all this together. So uh, not just, you know, Pickett was off in general in this game. But it, when you when you boil this thing down to third down specifically, the Steelers really, really suffered, uh, you know, offensively in this game. It is one of the worst third down outputs you're going to see from this team. Uh They were in many and long situations of their 14 third down attempts. Nine were of eight plus yards. They went one of nine in those situations, but five of them were third and five and closer, and they were two of five in those moments. So 40% third and five and closer is not good enough overall. Um, Yeah, I I don't even know where to really begin with this. Well, my, my, I guess my overall takeaway for this offense is stay from this game, just how disjointed it looked and not just even in the actual output which is miserable of 10 points of no passing game of of Jalen Warren being the only bright spot on the day but just it really felt like this team had never played together before like it was a bunch of just Josh Dobbs getting together no one knew each other's name and I think crowd noise had an impact on that you know Tomlin others talked about the hostile environment really the first real really the first real kind of like hostile crowd they'd gone into this year because they played with at, at the Raiders, at the Rams, and those are almost home games for the Steelers. And it really showed there was so much miscommunication across the board. I'm going to go to the all 22 and kind of really focus on that. There was just so many errors between quarterback receiver, not on the same page, you know, center snapping the ball before uh, the quarterbacks expecting it, just communication breakdowns and play calls. And, and what I think, you know, half the team thinks one thing's being run and half the team thinks something else is being run. It just felt like this team could not get on the same page offensively and defensively. They had some issues as well with taking two timeouts because they had 12 guys on the field in this game. So to me, that's the theme overall, which is just a complete lack of communication, just complete breakdown 
and struggling with the crowd noise in Cleveland. Yeah, the only thing they did good in this game was run the football and specifically with Jalen Warren. But you've got to have third down conversions. You've got to have some passing explosive plays. You've got to have uh, key moments uh, 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 of the game uh, making plays. And they obviously didn't get it. Look, you know, the Steelers finally had their full complement of offensive players uh, in this game for the first time since week one, because you get Pat Firemuth back, and obviously Deontay's been back uh, several weeks. Uh, you've got uh, you know your 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 rookie uh, tackle out there at, at right tackle playing well, especially in 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 the running game there. Uh, all all the things that you would you would think would be positives that would lead you to at least have a better output than what you had on Sunday. I mean. You know, Kenny Pickett posted an adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat of two point four eight. And he and, you know, that that stat relies obviously on passing yards, on touchdown passes, on interceptions, sacks and sack sack yardage there. And he didn't even throw, you know, normally if you see a adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat number, you know, that that low uh, there, there's an interception in there or or, or, or or two. I mean, he didn't even throw an interception. I mean, that about the only thing they did right in the passing game overall was not throw an interception and it's hard to do when you have a uh uh an average completed air yard distance of two point something yards right you almost it, hope that he would just because it would signify maybe he's pushing the ball downfield for right once. right and you know even his intended air yard distance obviously was wasn't all that great but his completed air yard distance heck you had what five what did i write what did i uh, type up last night five Five of the completions that he had were be- were behind the line of scrimmage, and uh, yeah, you look at the passing chart again, the middle of the field, yada yada. But I mean, this this team, and you know, Kenny Pickett talked after the game. You know, we expect that that mm-hmm. that, they, that they expected uh, the Browns' defense to come out there and 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 play a lot of man, and with good reason, and with good reason. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, look, what do we also say, Jim Schwartz? Don't don't give a uh, ten, tendencies are is probably not going to be anything that's that's a t- attached to Jim Schwartz and uh, kudos to him because they were, they came out and played a lot of a lot of zone uh, concepts and at some point during that game by halftime specifically you you probably need to recognize that I'm sure I'm sure the Steelers did and whatever changes they attempted to make within that it still felt like they were waiting for the the few times that they'd get the man uh and and try to attack that and obviously they weren't able to uh to do that a few times and you know had the miscommunication it was just a mess overall uh, uh, with this thing. So no, this is not completely on Kenny Pickett. You know, Matt Canada, once again, shares blame in this, but when it comes down to it, I mean, you just look at some of the accuracy things and the miscommunication things overall, a lot of that's got to go on the quarterback. Sure. It does. And it's not just about the Brown scheme. This is not a one-off. This no. is a continued pattern of really a month or, you know, if you include the, the first half of that Jaguars game, um, of just, really uninspiring performances and you're right he's taking care of the football no picks in six straight games only the second Steelers quarterback in history in a single season to do that but in as I said in kind of in in, in some sense you almost wish that there was a pick because maybe it meant that you were trying to do something downfield so 
you're right. It can't all rest at the feet of Kenny Pickett. And it's frustrating to hear for not the first time this season, them say after the game that we thought we were going to get a different look from that defense. And they, they presented something different than what we game planned for, what we expected. And it really hurt us. But at the same point, I'm sure that happens around the league every single week and teams adjust and they come up with, with counters and answers and play that chess match And Pittsburgh seemingly did not. But again, just how disjointed this passing game was all the miscommunication guys not being on the same page. I mean, for, for this late in the season for a group that was healthy defensively, you could at least have some excuses because there's a bunch of injuries and new faces rotating in. This is, this is the lineup that Pittsburgh had right. in training camp in week one. Maybe they work with these guys all year. So to have this level of miscommunication, even for a road game, even for a tough environment, they played in Cleveland before they know what it's like. That, that just is unacceptable. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny has regressed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that, that's a, an understatement, I think. So where, 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 where else to go from here offensively, Dave? Um, I, I think you look at what Jalen Warren did in this game and the fact that he only touched the football in the running game nine times and three, what, three more times, uh, I think, in the passing game. Uh, that is an error on the coaching staff uh, overall. Mike Tomlin says, you know, you don't look back at it and regret any of that and all. But uh, and this isn't the first time that we've talked about Jalen Warren and providing you know, giving you more when he's out there on the field. I mean, that son of a gun runs hard, man. And uh, there were some, you know, and and look, uh, it was blocked up really, really well on 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 the long touchdown run of his. But there were other runs in this game where he made some fantastic reads and cuts, and uh, just his ability to get 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 extra yards after after first contact. Uh, it is especially with the way the passing game is and has been, it is kind of criminal to look at this game overall, especially when you get into the fourth or in, into the second half and specifically after his his touchdown run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is criminal, I think, to look back at this and 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 say, man, how did that guy only... And look, they, they didn't have a, a large complement of snaps overall, but... You, you ever heard of the hot hand phrase and all, <laughs> you know, and, and all like that. The fact that he only touched tw- the, the ball 12 times uh, in this game. Could could three more touches have made a difference in this game? Uh, it very well could have. Uh, this was a look. This was a winnable game. This was a classic. Uh, set up for the way the Steelers like to win games right now. Uh, it was set up for them to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final two offensive possessions this team had, it was set up for them to to be a 13-10 Steelers win in this one. And we would be talking more about the win than we would any anything else in this one. But, but because you did not get it done in those situations where you have gotten it done more times than not this season, just the way they like to kind of draw it up, uh, it leads you to nitpick things uh, like this, and, and and specifically the amount of touches for Jalen Warren. So, uh, and look, Najee was not awful in this game, but Warren was better. Sure, I thought Harris was running hard early, but then it became very clear 
So this was a Jalen Warren game. He was bringing the spark. I mean, he created so much. The 74-yard touchdown, the big chunk run play. It's the longest rushing touchdown that Pittsburgh has had since Willie Parker in Super Bowl XL on that famous 75-yard run behind a polling Alan Fanica. And Fanica was now hosting the watch party in Ireland for this game. That's how long it's been. So um, here's a, here's a stat for you. So Jalen Warren had that 74-yard touchdown on the second play of the second half of the third quarter. For the entire rest of the third quarter, of which Pittsburgh had multiple possessions, he touched the ball one time the rest of the quarter. Now, I understand on maybe... And that was another toss, what? (laughs) It was for eight yards. Yeah, it was for eight yards. There was a a completion that was uh, a screen pass that was uh, negated by penalty, so he technically touched it twice, but in terms of what counted... Only once. Now, maybe the, the ensuing possession, you could argue that Warren was still a little gassed and you give Harris a drive. OK, I can I can get that. But then after that, they have two more possessions and he doesn't touch the ball. He touched the ball once on a second and 20. How do you how do you justify that? How do you in a game where Warren goes for 129 yards, leads the NFL in rushing heading into Monday night? How does Najee Harris get 13 carries and Warren gets nine? I mean. I've been generally okay with the split and I've been happy with the rotation in this game. As you said, hot hand warrants the guy. How do you not lean on that guy more on a day where he's your sole source of offense? Alex, let this sink in. I know you already have let, let listeners let sink, let this sink in. Jalen mm-hmm. Warren now leads the Steelers in total yards from scrimmage with 727 yards from scrimmage. Was that on your bingo card to start this year, Dave? No, it wasn't mine. No, no. Now look, I, I, you know, I, I thought Jalen Warren probably have a nice season and all like that, but I, uh, at, uh, especially with 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 Najee staying healthy and all like that, if you would have, if if I had been uh, in a in a in a coma and just got up and you said Jalen Warren uh, leads the Steelers in total yards from scrimmage with 727, I would want to know how many games has Najee missed, how many has George Pickens missed, how many is uh, you know Deontay missed, and obviously Deontay has missed some games in there. But I would I would have been, uh, you know uh, I would be scratching my head. You know, uh, a why is that? Why why is he leading and and why does he have that many yards? And it's, mm-hmm. it, it's a testament to how you know how good he's been. Besides everything else here, so uh, they have a player in this in 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 in, in Jalen Warren, and now at this point you've got to you've got to figure out how how can we get him more touches. Right. I mean, thank God he's there. If it wasn't for him, what would this offense look like? And he still could lead the team in receptions when this year is done. He's second on the team with 34. George Pickens is first with 37. No Steelers running back has led the team in receptions since John L. Williams back in the mid-90s. Just a oh. little just out of the weird for you there. We'll see if that one comes true or not. But, I mean, Warren was the offense, and it was, you know, I, I thought that was great blocking on that 74-yarder. I thought Mason Cole out in space. Excellent. Miles Boykin, Broderick Jones. That was probably a bit more blocking related than it was Warren, but it was great to see that second kind of gear that he had in the open field to run away from everybody. But beyond that, I mean, just stiff arming guys, power runs, you know, screen passes, creating something out of nothing. He was the offense. He was the only guy that provided any sort of, of hope and movement and anything in this game. And the guy has nine carries. And, and to me, that just thought, an acceptable outcome. Mike Tomlin could talk about no second guessing. Someone should be second guessing that. You have to. This is your uh, 
is this your team MVP right now? I mean, there, there's a lot to show. I mean, obviously Watts having a great year and all like that. Uh, you know, I, I guess it'd be Watt and then maybe Warren, right? I hadn't thought about a, a listing offensively, just to kind of focus offensively. on that. Yes, I think so. Um, overall, I mean, this team is still driven by its defense, so they probably get the edge based on how the team... I mean, honestly, it might be Chris Boswell. <laughs> I mean, Chris Boswell right. has been, been, been their best source of, of, of offense and points overall, but, um, you know, Warren has been a spark continually, and... I don't know if they're ever going to change the depth chart that says that Jalen Warren's a starter, but I think at this point you're going to go from kind of a pretty even split to now, you know, things leaning towards Warren's direction in terms of playing time and touches. At least it man, should be. Yeah, man, look, we saw uh, offensive linemen on the move a lot in this game again. So kudos to them uh, for, 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 for that. So uh, uh, Broderick pulling right to le- uh, left quite a few times in this game. You saw Sayamalo on the move the other way. Uh, you know, they, they, they were good. They were seemingly good for the most part, run blocking out, out in space. And, uh, you know, the, the big question is, is why, why couldn't you get the uh, football in, in Jalen Warren's hands more? He is averaging, and I just looked at the number, he is averaging 6.2 yards per carry this year. That's like Oklahoma state, you know, big 12 open space type of numbers. And it's 80 carries. So it's not a super small number of carries uh, and, and compare that to Najee Harris at 3.9 yards per carry run success rate. According to PFR, Najee Harris, 43% Jalen Warren now 52 and a half percent. Those numbers were pretty even for the first five or so games of the season. And Warren's really come on strong lately. Obviously a 74 yarder helps bring up those numbers for the yards per carry, but that's kind of the point to get those big plays, big explosive runs. And so, um, yeah, kudos to that guy. And I just love, I, I didn't even realize, I, I, I love to see the CBS broadcast that they showed him at rookie minicamp with his helmet on because he never takes his helmet off. And you just kind of love the mentality of that guy. And again, he's been the, he was in this game, the lone source of offense. Uh, averaging 6.4 yards per touch overall mm. this year. Uh, okay. and you got to remember a lot of those, uh, a uh, lot of passes that he's catching are either behind the line of scrimmage or one or two yards past the line of scrimmage. Now, uh, other things, this team still can't run screens to save their life. <laughs> it's uh, painful. Any kind of screens. And, uh, let's go back to that. Uh, we've written about it. Dan Orlovsky, uh, uh, talked about it this morning there, that, that play early on, mm-hmm. uh, on that screen, uh, over, over to the left side. Now they've, they've, they've tried to run that a few times this year, but this one, this one really looked funky, didn't it? I mean, you don't have the 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 the, the wide receivers on that side weren't blocking overall. I mean, it, it just it looked and 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 Kenny Pickett's decision he doesn't even doesn't even look give any kind of uh, nomer that he's going anywhere else other than Jalen right after the snap there on that one. That that was a curious play call. Uh, I don't know if there was an assignment issue. Mm-hmm. It, it just what were your thoughts on that play? Yeah, my first thought is miscommunication because they run that play and it's become really popular around the NFL. It's basically a four by one with a fast four where Jalen Warren's going to kind of run to the flat at right before the snap of the football. And you have two reads on that play in that situation, either hit Warren in the flat or the backside X receiver. If you like the leverage, like the matchup, they've, they've done both this year. So to see all the receivers go out in patterns, my first thought is that has to be miscommunication. That's why Jalen Warren had three Cleveland Browns players converging on him. So unless they were trying to work off of that and say we're going to kind of fake the throw to Warren and maybe the defense will bite on it and we'll get a receiver open downfield, 
that, that that's possible, but just given the level of miscommunication overall in this game, I have to think that there was miscommunication. So it's either that, that there was a breakdown in what the call was supposed to be, or they were trying to set something up. But if you're trying to set that play up, then you can't throw that to Jalen Warren because the intent is to, to fool the defense and it's kind of taking the cheese on Warren in the flat and you throw to somebody else. So it's either a disaster of a communication or a disaster of a decision on Kenny Pickett. And look, David, uh, did you see Deontay Johnson's, was it, I think it was Deontay Johnson kind of shrugged and threw his hands out to, to the side after that play. You can kind of barely okay. see that in, 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 in the TV tape there. Uh, all right. I mean, yeah, you, you can, you can certainly take issue with whatever happened on that play, but that's one play. Yeah. One of many in this game and, and to kind of take this back to Kenny Pickett and we can talk about Matt Canada and, and the struggles and the game plan concerns and expecting man, which I thought we agree. And you said it earlier it was reasonable to expect man in this game. They were put eight in the box. They were going to have their corners, you know, man up and, and, you know, that should create one V one opportunities on the outside for the Steelers. Um, but even, even knowing that just Kenny Pickett providing nothing in this game to me, the most damning thing of all Dave was the actual kind of game plans and executions of both sides of both quarterbacks, both passing offenses were the same. You know, what, what, what the Steelers did was the same as what the Browns did. But of course the Browns are starting a, a fifth round rookie in a second career start. And, and Pittsburgh has a, a first round pick. They called their franchise quarterback who made his 22nd start, but yet both game plans were screen heavy, you know, short passes. Don't take a shot. Super ultra conservative numbers, really identical overall. And when you have the same approach and game plan and results, as the opposing fifth round quarterback that's being forced to start because the starter got hurt. I mean, if that does, if that does not set alarm bells off, I don't know what does. Right. I, I would agree there. And look, uh, I think even uh, uh, DTR had a uh, average uh, uh, completed air, air yard depth around two point something, just like Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Um, I mean, what was the longest pass thrown downfield in this game by either side? It was not much. Nothing really went past 10 yards. And I think both defenses were trying to keep things in front, not allow the big play. I thought somebody would take a shot at some point. I mean, just from a passing game standpoint, it was one of the most just reductionist passing games that, that you will ever see. Yeah, the Browns beat them at their own game. <laughs> in the sense of... Don't don't turn the ball over. Let yeah. our defense do work. Uh, get it to the fourth quarter. Uh, yada yada. Make make a few plays on the final drive, uh, and 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 take it to the house with a W with a W there. Yeah, um, they did have the one pick, but it didn't. You know, they didn't have the multiple turnover game that DTR had in week four. And um, there, there, there was another. Game. There were another one or two in there that probably could have. Trent Thompson had one. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, had, hit hit him right in the chest, and you know that was uh, one of my keys was was uh, you know you 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 can't let DTR get away with 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 some of these takeaways that are there for a taking and that now in this in this game would the Steelers have done anything with that takeaway either I, who who knows there you know they did have the one uh, interception there by by Chandon Sullivan there but uh, uh, you had to know that DTR was going to make a few few mistakes in this game he did and then the you know the Browns eligibles helped things out with a couple of drops in this game as well too once again this. This set up to be a very winnable Steelers type 2023 game. They just they couldn't. Those final two possessions were just brutal for the Steelers offense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, miscommunication, missed it, missed throws by Kenny Pickett. I thought maybe Deontay could have come down with a with a couple of those. Make you know would have had to been a tough catch, but I think he's the guy capable of making tough catches. But 
I mean, this offense just gets worse and worse, Dave. The further you go into this thing, and you can, you know, Tomlin can talk about whatever he wants to talk about, the Browns defense being really good. And, and I know I'm kind of bouncing around here, I, I, and I know that we both agree that Kenny Pickett likely to be the quarterback in 2024, but I, I just, I'm struggling to see how you justify it unless something else changes over the rest of the season. Like, what is, what is giving you that confidence other than, hey, we drafted this guy in the first round. He's supposed to be our quarterback. We have to see this through. But in terms of on-field performance, what are you seeing that says, okay, Pickett should be the guy next year? Well, we've already said what the narrative and the excuses will be. You get rid of Matt Canada. You get mm-hmm. rid of uh, some some others on, on the coaching staff there. Uh, and you and you reset. And, and, and uh, that, 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 I mean, Nobody's going to be surprised when that happens, right? With coaching staff changes, I would, would, and and Kenny Pickett get one more shot at this thing through through two thousand twenty four. Sure. sure, no, no one should be. And nor, I mean, nor he's going to have to. He's he's going to have to become Patrick Mahomes. You know, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, real real quick for 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 Canada to save his job. And even then, yeah. that's that's more on the quarterback, right? You know, right uh, there. Because look, you look at the average depth of. Uh, uh, or the intended air air yardage uh, distances and the average completed air air yard distances on 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 next gen stats and all like that. There's not that much difference between <laughs> Mahomes and Pickett, and and if and that's where you can get lulled to sleep with some of these advanced analytics. But look what Mahomes does on third down. Look mm-hmm. at look at uh, look at some of the extended plays that he makes. Those 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 things that go above. That's the difference in in the quarterbacks here uh uh without a doubt so you know look should this team seriously consider you know what they do in the offseason at the quarterback position absolutely will they probably not at at worst what i think they should do is look at something in the third or fourth round you know Mm-hmm. At least to give you something to turn to and evaluate, so you're not going to an empty well uh, there. Uh, and look, the odds of hitting a third or fourth round quarterback, you know, uh, are, are, are slim. But at least it gives you something else to evaluate and turn to there. I mean, this team's not drafting a, a quarterback in the first or second round, right? No, but I am of the mindset if you're if you're gonna make a change of quarterback, you're either all in or all out. You know, I think I understand your point about a third, fourth kind of mid round quarterback, but that's just, I'd, I'd that's rather just dipping, go all in or go all out. Right. That's just dipping your, 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 your toe in, in, in the water. The only other option that you have is to go outside and, 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 and spend money on a veteran. And even then, you know, what, what do you, you know, Kirk cousins names being thrown around and all like that. But uh, you know, that, that would be very unsteeler like, no, I, yeah, I don't expect any of those things to happen, but I, I know those are discussions to have more after the season. And I've, I've been steadfast remain uh, adamant that I, I will fully conclude and evaluate Pickett after the season, because you never know what can happen over the rest of the season. Pittsburgh, they're still six and four. If, if the season ended today, they'd still be in the playoffs. They are the seventh seed as things sit here right now. So I don't want to pretend like the season is over, despite how ugly and miserable of a loss uh, that it was, which it absolutely was. But I just look at Kenny Pickett and say, you know, if the excuse from Tomlin is, well, the Browns have a great defense, if that justifies Kenny Pickett having under 100 yards passing until the final, essentially meaningless play of the game against the Browns, 
then you're never going to win a Super Bowl because you're going to have to face a good defense or a great scoring offense or some sort of high level adversity to win a playoff game, to win a champ or a conference championship game, to win a Super Bowl. Like if the if the reason for this game is well, the Browns just have a great defense, then then you're just never going to get to where your goal is supposed to be. Yeah, look, you can't keep redrawing the line in the sand. You know, yeah, and, 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 and pushing it back one week and saying, "Well, this week and yeah. and 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 this week or or next year with the OC," you know, uh, it 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 hasn't been great. And look, I mean, you you've got some. This team's going to win more games this year. This team <laughs> might might still get the playoffs. Really, right. realistically, if they win some of these games, look, they 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 have six wins now. You have to think ten gets you in. Uh Maybe it won't. I don't know. Some of the, some of these teams in here, but I mean, you you have to like your chances with ten wins. Uh, you have seven games left, right? Uh, uh, three of them are within in the division. You would like to think that you're going to have to win at least one of those three. Uh, with the first one coming uh, uh this week against Cincinnati, you've got Arizona, you've got the uh, the Colts, you've got the Patriots. I mean, surely this team can ugly up four more wins, right? And if they They've can't, got, and if they can't, oh man, do you have problems? Right. I mean, they've got nothing but ugly wins and a couple ugly. It's all been ugly. It's either been ugly wins or ugly losses. There really has been no uh, in between this year for this team. But yeah, I mean, and again, this is not just about the Browns game. You look at the Packers game, the Titans game, the first half of the Jags game. Not much is is telling you that Kenny Pickett is playing at a level that he, he needs to play at. And it's hard to know exactly why he's regressed, though, because, you know, we were talking about second year jumps. Now we're talking about regression. And it's not like the roster around him is, is worse than it was last year or there's a bunch of injuries. His team has gotten healthier over the course of the season, getting Deontay back, getting Frymouth back for this game. Pickens has been healthy. The run game has been strong overall the last month or so um, and, and healthy as well. So I don't know, Dave, I kind of threw my hands up at this point. Yeah, look, they've got to. Uh, they- We'll see. <laughs> That's all. Uh, the proof will be in the pudding moving forward here. Once again, they have uh, uh, they have some winnable games here, but I mean, it, it, it's got to start looking a lot better than 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 what it's looked like here lately. I, I will say, in some fairness to Pickett, he was under pressure pretty consistently mm-hmm. in this game, and I had praised Pittsburgh against the Browns, really just kind of big picture against any sort of star defensive player that they they've done a really good job of not letting those guys write the headlines. Those guys have made some plays. They've been involved. They've, you know, gotten good PFF scores, all that kind of stuff, but they had not taken over the game. And Miles Garrett had always never really gotten to that point against Pittsburgh because they had either been able to minimize him through chips or just kind of, you know, marrying their their protection scheme versus their 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 you know drop back scheme, a three step drop. If Dan Moore's going to be one V one on Miles Garrett so the ball comes out quick, you're going to do a five or seven step uh, drop, you're going to chip and give help. So um, you know, Garrett doesn't have the time or the ability to get into the backfield in this game. I mean, the first offensive play, you're on your seven. I think Pickett took a five-step drop. Moore's 1v1 on Garrett, and, and Garrett beats Moore inside and sacks Pickett for a, nearly a safety, arguably a safety, and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the day. So this was a game where Miles Garrett took over, which surely had not ever happened before. Yeah, look, you you expect him, and and you go back to that first game. He won his, you know, he he did what he he won his one on one battles, and his win rate was high as you'd expect. He just didn't impact the game overall outside of 
hidden, you know, the, the, the pressure situation, which he had had those in that first game. The thing that you feared, which was one of the keys, and it was an obvious key in this game, is not letting him really, in, you know, show show up on the raw, raw stat sheet. And boy, did he show up in in uh, uh, in, in this one, uh, as did the rest of the pass rush overall. The, the Steelers' pass protection as a whole uh, was not great uh, in this game. But even so, you got to situations that we talked about earlier in this game uh, of third and 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 less than five situations. If you make a few of those and convert those, it you might come out of that game with a win. Still, sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I thought Garrett. You know, and we said this in week two, and I know that maybe there was some pushback about that. I thought Miles Garrett had a really good game against Dan Moore in week two, but they just minimized that through, again, just, I thought, good good play calling and just being able to kind of take him away and make sure that Garrett won his reps but did not get to the quarterback because of it. In this game, I thought it was kind of a repeat on week two. It was Garrett cooking Dan Moore, but because you were taking longer drops and you were in some third and long situations, um, and Pittsburgh just didn't find ways to minimize him the way that they usually have been able to. Garrett, you kind of felt the impact of that all the more in this one. So it's it's obviously a really tough matchup for Dan Moore. It's, it's hard to blame the guy, but um, to me, you know, there was this narrative that Dan Moore was really good against Miles Garrett, and I've always kind of downplayed that and said mm, it's kind of been he's hanging on for dear life and just kind of gotten fortunate by a split second a couple times. And this game, I think, highlighted that uh, that narrative is probably dead for good. Yeah, I, I would agree. Any other thoughts here with the offensive line? Obviously, all 22 will probably reveal things more, but um, any other takeaways here, Dave? Yeah, look, just a better run blocking team than they were in pass protection for sure. Yeah, uh, that that is for sure on this one. So let's flip over to the defense here, and it was a bit of a tough start as the Browns scored on their second possession on a pretty lengthy drive to put the ball in the end zone, a short term forward touchdown. Other than that, though, the takeaway is that Pittsburgh allowed 13 points to this Browns team, including the, the three in the final, you know, seconds of the game. So 10 until the final, you know, five seconds. While the, de- the defense, we can critique it and talk about some things they should have done better. I mean, it's hard to be too mad about that re- performance when you're holding an NFL offense to 10 points until the final seconds of the game. Yeah, I think the only thing that you really, really circle when it comes to this defense was the final drive. I think DTR was, uh, what, four or five for like, was it 39 or 49 yards and and his only incompletion was a spike uh and uh look we we can talk about that uh delay of game on 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 Keanu Benton that uh that was just them doing a pre uh uh just just shifting right and it was a weird weird pill. the browns are still probably going to be in field goal range without mm-hmm. that uh, there, of course, it does move it back five yards. You never know, but uh, that seemed like a bogus call uh, there on Benton uh, overall there. But I, I think the biggest negative takeaway for this Steelers defense would potentially be that final drive where they where they gave sure. up a lot of you know stuff uh, underneath there. Uh, they did not give up any explosive plays in this game. Uh, they uh, they had the one interception. You probably should have had a second one uh, in this game, but you know they—I I thought they did uh, uh, fairly well against the run overall in this thing. And look, I mean, you you you, you hold, you give, you put your offense in position to have two drives at the end of the game to to win it, and they don't do it. And then what did the Steelers play total offensive snaps in this seventy something? What did the Steelers offense have or the defense? De- defense seventy three. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you're getting worn down 
uh, a little bit in those situations. Boy, Cameron, uh, Cam Hayward was spit at, at, at the end of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would imagine Watt and Highsmith were uh, too because Herbig only played three snaps. Yeah, I think Golden got a bit more action in this eight. one. Golden had eight. Herbig had three in this one. Uh, you know, once again, I, I think the, the 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 real negative in this when it comes to the Steelers' defense is they couldn't get off the field in that final time. Sure. And P.J. Watt, after the game, talking about how we got to find a way to not allow those five-yard throws. Said it was, it's been an issue all season long. And, I mean, you knew they were throwing short. I mean, the, the entire game plan for the Browns, when they did pass the ball and they tried to pass the ball as little as possible, but spread the field out, get the ball out, Real quick, I mean, within two seconds, basically, whenever DTR hit the top of his drop, the ball's got to come out, which is the right game plan to have. And they were going to throw short, and they were hitting more in Cooper and in Joku. Um, and and Pittsburgh really did not have a good answer. They were playing pretty conservatively in this one, so I'll have to see the all 22 on that. So that is a, a, a right critique, but again, not to excuse this, but it shouldn't have gotten to that point. This offense should have done more. To, to not let that be the deciding factor in this one. Uh, Joey Porter had his hands full with, 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 with uh, Amari Cooper uh, in, in this game. He did have a nice uh, breakup in the end zone on one of those drives there, but uh, uh, it was a bit of a grow-up game, I, I think, and you know maybe it's going to be one of those iron, sharp and iron type situations where, where, where Porter will you know, uh, chalk, chalk up some experience and get better, uh, moving forward. But even so, uh, once again, you know, they did not give up any explosive plays, uh, in this game. Uh, a Landon Roberts was a Landon Roberts in this game. Uh, that was that, uh, a Landon Roberts played exactly like his scouting (laughs) report. Uh, that guy can play downhill. You know, and this game set up really, really well for him to do it. So, I mean, are we surprised that Alandon Roberts came out of this game with 15 combined tackles? Pro- you know, you probably may have predicted 12, you know, 12, maybe even 13. But you know, I, I thought overall he played a good, good game overall. Uh, from what I can tell on the TV tape, I thought Trent Thompson represented himself uh, uh, fairly well in this game uh, for what he was asked to do. Uh, it didn't feel like there were a lot of missed tackles. There, there were a couple situations where I was thinking, wrap up, boys, wrap up. Uh, but look, defense did not lose this game for the Steelers. Right. Yeah, that, that's a takeaway on that one for sure. Um, yeah, Roberts, 15 tackles, most tackles by Steelers since Vince Williams. I believe in 2016 was in my Stats of the Weird column today. He was really good, and it, it was his type of game, as you said, downhill, physical, even in coverage. It was short stuff. But, I mean, he was tackling in the flats, and I think maybe Njoku heard footsteps a couple times, dropped a couple passes. So it didn't stress him in the way that we're concerned about in terms of that that vertical aspect of it. But even in coverage, kudos to him. I thought Roberts had a really good game overall. He was the all uh, every down, all situations linebacker, which I figured he would be for a communication standpoint, even in dime packages. It was Roberts out there on the field, um, a really good game by him, and and that was needed, and they need that going forward. Uh, could have used a better pass rush in this and in the situations where DTR had to help hold the ball a little bit longer, but it didn't feel like there were many of those anyway. Mm-hmm. Look, he was trying to get the ball out quick. They knew they 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 knew what they were up against with their tackle situation right. in this game. So they they uh, they had to uh, they 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 knew not to let those edge guys take over the game uh, overall. 
in, in, in this one. So yeah, I mean, you would, would have liked to have more impact in some certain situations there where he had to hold the ball and, you know, you, you could ding the defense maybe a little bit for that, but once again, uh, it comes down to points allowed on the scoreboard and explosive plays and they, they, and handling the run. And they, they did that for the most part. Yeah, run defense was really solid overall. I thought Cam Hayward was excellent against the run. I thought Hayward played a good game overall. Again, the pass rush may not have been there, but making plays against the run, some great open field tackles. There was that one on Pierre Strong on second down. I think a little pass in, on the left flat, screen play or whatever it was, and he makes a tackle there that if he doesn't, that, that might have gone for quite a ways. Um, yeah, that pass rush, even in those third and longs Cleveland was in, they were just running screens, and they, they weren't trying to, you know, get a bunch of yards on third and 13. They were just kind of playing punts, play play field position overall. Uh, they're running quarterback power on third and four, that kind of stuff, um, just to, to minimize the exposure that DTR would have to have in those situations with their backup tackles. So, I mean, the pass rush has been, you know, quiet, but in a game like this, not, you know, it's hard to really knock the defense too much for, for that. Again, I think overall they did their job. They give the offense ample opportunities to win this game, and the offense just said no thank you. Thank God the defense only allowed uh, less or less allowed less than a hundred total net yards uh, in in the second half to the Browns. Now, obviously, whatever the final drive was, uh, you know, uh, kudos to the Browns on that one, and, and, and shame on the Steelers. Once again, if you boil this thing down and and, and want to get on the Steelers defense, I think the fact that uh, outside of that second drive of the game. Uh, the, the one at the end there where, where DTR went four or five for whatever it was, 39, 49 yards. Uh, that, that's what you point to. Sure. Pittsburgh's whole mantra this season and really the last couple of years has been win the final five minutes and they did not win the final five minutes of this game. I mean, literally with five minutes to go, they had the ball second and 10 tie game at 10 at the Browns 40. And they don't even come close to kicking a field goal. They take a five yard loss on second and 10 to Najee third and 15 two yard completion to Jalen Warren, fourth and 13 from the Browns, 43. They have to punt, and um, I just just give Boz a chance with how good that guy mm-hmm. has been. I mean, you're at, heck, if, it, if it's, if it's if, they're, if they just sit on the ball at the 40, you might even try the 57-yarder right there with Boswell and give him a chance to, to, to go ahead on that one. So, but you lose yardage, and now it's, you know, a 60-yard attempt, and you really can't justify it there but all you had to do is just at the 40 just get a couple yards just get five yards and, and, and give boss a chance and you, and you can't do that as an offense i regardless of how good the browns are you can't get five yards second and ten from the 40 on two plays just just get five yards you lose yards instead i mean i i know it's a great defense but how how low are we going to set this bar for this offense to just do nothing and excuse it away Look, those final two drives were were, were, were brutal and it, it started with even pickens bailing out uh, pick yeah. uh, you know, uh, and did he even catch that? If that gets reviewed, <laughs> <laughs> it was, a, it's a sideline throw and Pickett throws it inside and Pickens has to adjust. Like, how do you miss that throw? I mean, just hit the route. I mean, that's the issue with Pickett. It's like, just hit the routine stuff. He's not, he's not done that the last month. Well, we have seen him be able to make those throws. He's just not making them consistently enough now. You know. Yeah, but I think even over the last month in particular, they've really not been there almost at all. I mean, occasionally, sure, but. He's a quarterback. He should be hitting on stuff, you know, occasionally. But there's just some routine stuff that's there that's even just been a struggle. And look, you can get on on on, on the play calling here uh, in those final two drives. I mean, you complete, you get that completion to Pickens, and then you try to run that. Don't uh, then they try to run that screen uh, uh, on on first down right after that. 
that that was incomplete or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go left guard to uh, to Najee uh, for for a loss of five yards. I mean, why why is it Warren in the game? And you know why why isn't Warren? That's one of those situations where you know obviously it's a results based thing. But I mean, uh, f- negative five yards there, and now you're back to second. You know, you're you're in a second and ten situation there. Uh, or and then third down because you lost right. five yards is a give up down. So you have to then you go to Warren and say, Go, go, go hunt us a first down here. Uh, is that a screen on third uh, and fifteen? I don't remember. That, that was that one over to the right side. Yeah. Well, it was a screen. I don't know if it was a screen. I okay. can't remember, if, can't remember. If, if, if it was a design uh throw out that way or not. But uh okay. and he, he only gets two yards on that. So I mean you obviously have to you know, you're not going to go for it on fourth and 13 in that situation. So you have to punt, mm-hmm. uh, you, 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 your defense gets the ball back, uh, eventually there, but, uh, and then you, you know, not awful field position first and 10, you're on 30 and you throw three incomplete passes to Deontay Johnson and off the field, you go 14 seconds off the clock. And that gave the Browns a chance to win that one late. That was what the first down on that final Pittsburgh possession, but besides the last play of the game. We'll throw that one aside for a second. It was right flat to Deontay, maybe got his head around late, just not, just again, just off. Second down was that deep shot where you had the clip of Ben saying, I am so confused, don't know who that was for. That was for Deontay, miscommunication. Johnson broke his route off. Pickett thought he was going to run deep. That one falls incomplete. And then third down, don't love the concept. Again, all, all these routes are independent of each other, but it was, it was there. There was a chance for that pass to be completed. Pickett's pass a little high. I thought Johnson could have made a a better attempt at it. Two hands, I think would have been better than just trying to throw up his right hand on that one, but incomplete uh, there as well. So uh, no, no, no fourth quarter magic in this one. Look, it, uh, it was there for their taking on those final two offensive drives as bad as they played. Yeah, it absolutely was. But again, I just thought the miscommunication, just how disjointed this group looked. It, it, it was really alarming to me, not, not just on that possession, but just the entire game. I felt like the offense in the past game in particular was never on the same page. Sounds like they had a poor game plan in this one. They didn't. They didn't marry their protection schemes with their their pass concepts well. I, I my it's an obvious statement probably, but my first impression was Canada did not call a good game. But we'll have to see the all twenty two on that one. So again, I don't want to put this all on Pickett, but my my feelings towards Pickett. The article I wrote this morning on Kenny Pickett, talking about him being as clear a problem as ever, is not just about this game, but the weight, the totality of the last month, and just how how much things have regressed. Well, my main takeaway is if you if you if you can't if you're not registering these explosive plays to the passing game, you better be better on third down. And it was something that we asked the the uh, the listeners to look at in this game. And three of three of fourteen, <laughs> and you're not getting explosive plays on those other on on first and second downs. That you know and you're not taking the ball away three or four times on the other side. Mm-hmm. That you know that that you're just asking for it. And what did you say, 7 to 25 on third down the last two weeks? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Something really bad, um, uh, obviously. I'll have to look exactly yeah. what that number is, but it but it obviously isn't great. It just feels like the Pittsburgh's asking its defense, can you guys go get four takeaways and put one in the end zone, and that's how we win? I mean, that's just, again, those that, that goes back to sustainability. We had the joke of they were sustaining the unsustainable, and now it's no longer sustained. Seven of 27 hmm. in their last two games on third downs, 25.9%. And once again, uh, uh, 
what is it, three explosive passing games in their last, or three explosive passing plays in their last four games? None, <laughs> none, none yesterday. That's hard to do. That is so brutal. I mean, that is just really, yeah, you're right. It's, it's hard to do that. Um, I mean, heck, you see, and I wrote this in the article, even, even Tommy DeVito with the Giants. <laughs> Oh, he was, he was good in that movie. Touchdowns. I like that character. <laughs> <laughs> right? And that uh, that that knockoff uh, Sopranos movie that they they turned around. Um, I mean, even he put up 31 points and, and threw three touchdowns, two things that Kenny Pickett's never done in his career. Like, even these bad quarterbacks have that occasional moment of, hey, that's a good game. That was something you can at least tell your kids about. And you're not even seeing that with Kenny Pickett. And and that's that's a really concerning thing this 22 starts in where you can, you know, I know you can talk about Canada, but you can evaluate Pickett still, and the evaluation is is not promising. All right, special teams as we start putting a bow on this one. Yeah, Presley Harvin, not a good game for him. I mean, it started decently, and there were, I think, four inside the 20, although I thought some of them maybe you could have really pinned them deep as opposed to maybe the 10, but a couple of shanks, including a 20-yarder, and the one before that was a low liner that went 42 yards. We've had a 21 yards a net on that, so those are you know essentially two 20-yard punts for you. And in a game where field position was paramount, you saw how important that was in the Browns' first possession where they pinned Pittsburgh back, almost get a safety off of that to get good field position on the ensuing punt and put the ball in the end zone. Um, Harvin has been better overall this season, but uh, a poor game for him on Sunday. Uh, Calvin Austin, a couple of decisions. Yeah. Letting a couple bounce over his head. And then, you know, I don't know exactly what the rules are for that in terms of where Danny Smith kind of says, okay, if it goes, put your feet at here. If it goes over your head then then let it bounce. But there are a couple that felt like that he could have been able to catch to prevent Pittsburgh being so backed up, including on that first punt. Did you think they were going to win this game in the fourth quarter? When it, when it got to that point with, let, let me take you back uh, in time here to a time stamp here. Uh, their second to last possession happened at, where was it? Uh, 547, first and 10 at the Steelers 48. Uh, did you think at that moment in time they were going to win this game? I don't know if I really had a feeling either way. I generally don't get that in game. Um, seeing I, that I Browns, thought I thought that I I thought we I thought I was thinking to myself, well, uh, this movie's going to play out just like 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 the other ones. I and I yeah. envisioned them hitting some sort of a Yankee concept or something if they got the right look for the for the one big play over the middle mm-hmm. or, or or something to get get them down in in field goal range. I honestly thought that, that the way they had escaped things up until that point. Uh, and as bad as they played at 547 left in the game, I really was thinking they were going to get out of the, get out of there with a W. Well, you're right. It is the same script they've been playing out in their last six wins. So you're not wrong to think that they could do it again. I just had a sinking feeling after watching that Browns touch, touchdown drive in the first quarter and said, OK, this, this is going to be going to be a day. So I, I didn't really have an opinion either way. I just kind of just get lost in the game and just, you know. I'm, I'm along for the ride. All right. What about uh, the post game stuff? We, we probably buried that lead long enough. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to talk about there. Um, and I'm sure we will continue this conversation for Wednesday. And we just want to talk about the game first, but Najee Harris, his comments after the game, a lot of frustration. I, I think maybe the most, I don't know. What, what, what do you want to, how do you want to. Uh, Gaming or- yeah. I don't know how you want to phrase it, but what he, he was asked about, do you believe that everybody in this locker room has a team first mentality? And Harris was asked 
repeat the question and then had a really long pause and then said, I don't want to talk about the team. I want to talk about just me and my performance. And then the PR person very quickly stepped in and said, we got to go to Cleveland guys. And uh, they, I think go back to Pittsburgh or go back to to Pittsburgh guys. Uh, Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, What, what is your takeaway of that comment and non-answer from Najee Harris? Well, I just think you got to read off his, his other ones too. And, and uh, he had said something to the effect that you could look at the record and say, okay, we're still good right now. Uh, Or you could look at this record and be like, if we keep playing this type of football, how long is that beep going to last? Uh, mm-hmm. I look at it like, how long is this bleep going to last? Uh, he says, y'all can look at it like it's a good record, but I mean, it, it's the NFL winning like how we did is not going to get us uh, nowhere. He said he also admitted that there are times it seems that the defense knows what it's do, what they're doing on offense. I'm just at a point where I'm just tired of this beep. And you combine those kind of comments uh, with the other ones about, you know, and him basically saying we're going to have to have a meeting about this. And I mean, this is one of your this is an offensive leader, right? This is a guy. Uh, this is a leader. Maybe this is him. Him. You know, it could be taken as him leading by saying some of this stuff to the media. But. Uh, these are more pebbles in the shoe. Well, to me, I mean. The most concerning part, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, is is that non-answer when asked about the team. Because, yeah, you can talk about how bad the offense is. That's known. Like, we all understand how bad this offense is and how much they're struggling and the sustainability concerns that, that we and the media and the collective fan base has had about, you know, can they continue to win as ugly as they had been? And, of course, they lose that game ugly against the Browns. But when you're asked about the team and the locker room and the players and almost like their character and you get just nothing from Harris on that, that 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 could speak to a larger issue just beyond the basic realization that this offense is bad. Yeah, there's something obviously going on that he does not think that uh, he's getting you know 100 buy-in as, as teammates. Right, and to me, that's a a larger issue than just saying this sure. offense is bad and, and and more. I don't know how you want to say it. Just more. It's it's a more interesting discussion to have than just you know, relaying about how, how miserable this offense has been. At one point he said, I want to say what I really want to say, but it's difficult. There's, there's something there, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, and him also saying, do I think everybody is a team first team first on this team? Uh, I'd rather not talk about team. I'll just talk about me and my performance. If you're going to ask questions about me. So, uh, that's, that's a red flag. If I've seen one, it's like saying yeah. like, uh, do you love your wife? I'd rather talk about me, you know, don't talk about my wife. I want to talk about me, you know, like, like that kind of stuff where it's like, okay, that's uh, that, that's a softball down the middle of you would expect the answer to be, oh yeah, we're all in, we're buying in. We got to just come together and, and, and we'll fix this. And when the answer is a long pause like that, but even longer, I, I, I shortened it for you guys. And then deflecting that says a lot. You know, people look to us for our uh, superior analysis, uh, Alex here. And mm-hmm. Here's uh here's some, uh, uh, superior analysis that I put out there on Twitter this morning. Uh, not only do the Steers have a serious quarterback slash OC problem, they have a serious locker room problem based on what Najee Harris put out there post game. Will be interesting on Tuesday to see what Mike Tomlin says about the latter. You know that's that's why they that's why they listen to us, Alex. Hey, look, that's a captain obvious thing, there, right? Uh, but there's 
you know, not only do you have a quarterback OC problem and it, it's hard to come away and spin whatever Najee was trying to say in that locker room after that game as, as any, any sort of a positive. And it'll be interesting to see Mike Tomlin peppered with this on, on Tuesday. He'll probably say, I don't know exactly what Najee said, blah, 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 handle it internally, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, we just got to execute blah, blah, blah. But you know, there's something going on there, obviously. Yeah, there is. And and to me, in a lot of ways, this is more of a story and more concerning than the George Pickens stuff. Because Pickens, younger guy, 22, little immature, just frustrated about not getting the ball. Okay, you know, that's kind of standard fare. But Harris, a leader, I think a really mature guy overall. And he's showing frustration to this point and in, in, in saying and implying those things. That, that, that says something bigger and more alarming. And part of this, look, are they all happy with uh, with the way Kenny Pickett's playing in there? Probably not. But uh, it, it this also smells of we 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 don't have confidence in what we're doing just overall offensively schematically. Yeah, I mean it, it's probably that and and a lot of things. I have the thought, and I don't want to sound too Same. okay. I'll, I'll be like, not she here. Just say it's it. difficult to say. Um, I wonder if this frustration with how much Tomlin seems to protect Kenny Pickett, because he never really seems to point the finger at him or point the finger at, at somebody else or just say the defense played a great game. And at some point you kind of look at the quarterback and say, hey, man, you got to start making some plays here. Like you got to really start helping us in the pursuit of victory as opposed to at best being sidecar and at worst kind of being an anchor on this team. And I think Tomlin and I get what Tomlin's doing because he doesn't want to have that storyline, that headline of, you know, Tomlin has this kind of spicy comment about Kenny Pickett that becomes a headline for the next 48 hours. But I wonder if there's a frustration about just kind of to me, how, how far and how much Tom will go out of his way to kind of minimize Pickett's concerns and focus on other issues. Do you think that skilled players in that locker room would like to see them go to Trubisky? I don't know if that's, if, if you, if you guaranteed them, 100% an- anonymity and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I wonder what each of them would say. I- I'm sure some feel like that, like, like that in that way. I don't know if there's a consensus up- upon it. Um, and look, I'm not trying to paint Mitch, Mitch Trubisky as any type of savior here. I mean, if anything, he's going to turn the football over for you, but within that, he is going to take more chances down the field. You sure. Know? Yeah. There's no question about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it was a general frustration with the, with the whole offense and, and not just one person. But I think, again, it, you're, you're the quarterback. It starts with you and, and Kenny Pickett. And you're not, you're not getting better. You're getting worse. And there's a frustration of we just can't move the football. And it's like Zach Wilson with the Jets. You know, the frustration that existed there with how bad this offense was. It wasn't all on Zach Wilson, but it started with him and the frustration that was born out of that. Would you consider... That they won't. We know they won't. But would you consider a quarterback change here against? Cincinnati? Well, I mean, I've I've talked about Trubisky and my concern with him, given the fact that Pittsburgh seemingly has no margin for error, and him being you know the turnover kind of prone and a bit more reckless is I think difficult. Does not comport with Pittsburgh's plan. I, I have thought about how would Mason Rudolph look running this offense, and I'm not pre- pretending like this offense would come alive and put up 30 points per game, but could it be run more efficiently? I think I think Rudolph would do some of the routine things that Pickett is failing to do right now. 
And look, what what is the message at this point? Uh, even if you if you right now went from Pickett to Trubisky, what does that say? Yeah, I mean that that almost says the end of Kenny Pickett's tenure as the Pittsburgh Steelers' supposed franchise quarterback. Right, they're not going to do that. No, I expect I, I don't to be think. quarterback. <laughs> I mean, at least not for the Bengals game. I guess we'll kind of take take it week by week. But I I have full expectation that Kenny Pickett uh, will be this team's quarterback against the Bengals on Sunday. And through the 2024 season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I guess I'll think about that once the season ends, but that's probably I mean, you, what it's likely going to be. I mean, you and your post this morning was pre- pretty to the point that, you know, if he's not the quarterback this season, they, they need to think about, you know, if, if, if they can't get more out of him moving forward this right. season, they, they, they really need to look at that. Which to me is like a very basic, simple argument that really can't even be debated. Like if Pickett's play does not improve, if this track continues the rest of the way or on a similar path, but maybe some little bit of improvement here and there. I mean, how, how do you how do you justify it other than just saying, well, we drafted the guy like what would be the argument to continue playing Kenny Pickett if this continues? All right, uh, we're spinning our wheels there now. Uh, you want to get to we got a bunch of reader emails. We'll mm-hmm. try to get to as many as we can. Yeah, let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right. Uh, AG writes said, hey, guys, great show. I imagine this is going to be number one topic of the emails, but I have to point out one shocking stat. Jalen Warren is averaging more yards per attempt rushing than Pickett is passing on the season. Mm. Warren also has a higher success rate uh, in the passing game than Pickens, not to mention Firemuth Austin Robinson seems uh, criminal to lose that game, having uh, run Warren nine times compared to 33 dropbacks, especially given the last two drives. You ran Warren zero times and needed to burn clock, not save it. At some point, number two, yeah, at some point you have to eliminate option routes from Deontay's route tree. He asked uh, number three uh, if this is what the offense is going to be. Miles Boykin should be starting. Um, I mean, there's a lot there. Obviously, I don't know about the option routes. I understand trying to uh, minimize miscommunication, which was an issue in this game. But does that make your offense somehow even more static? So I don't know about that. Yeah, Warren needs to touch the ball more. I think we covered that pretty well. Those are my thoughts. All right. Uh, we, we hit on a lot of that already. Paul Brown, Dave and Alex, first off, I got to take my hat off and hand it to the defense. They balled out most of the game. Trent Thompson played very well for being called up from the practice squad, breaking up passes and being a willing tackler. Second, as you guys mentioned over and over in previous podcasts, we're running out of material to talk about regarding the offense. We really are. Uh, week after week, it's the same thing, although it's good to see the running game is improving. That's really the only thing, main takeaway. Last, uh, last three games specifically, man, they, they've been able mm-hmm. to run the ball. And we just keep complaining about the same stuff he writes. My, my question is, is if Kenny and the passing offense continue to struggle in the same tra- trajectory to finish out the year, are you coming off the stance that there is no chance the Steelers don't look at a quarterback uh, in round one of 2024 draft? I think you guys have an idea of the type quarterback he is, and I doubt he is one that can lead the, lead the team to a Super Bowl. So if that's the case, why keep a guy like that as a star? Look, it why you you guys have to remember what our thoughts are what what we think the team will do are two different things you know mm-hmm. uh there it will take a lot from this point forward for me to think that the Steelers will seriously look at drafting a quarterback in round 1 especially where it looks like they they'll probably have to and and I haven't even looked at the quarterback class you know and all I I know it's you know supposedly better than it's been in a couple of years, yada, yada. But uh, it, I, I just don't see this team, regardless of how this thing goes, looking at a quarterback in round one. 
Well, I think you're right. Whether picking, let's call it somewhere in the at best teens, like you know, eighteen, nineteen, maybe in that twenty something range, it's going to be tough to get a quarterback there. But should they is the question. Just from our personal standpoint, if this continues, the answer I think has to be yes, or at least it has sure. to be the thought, the consideration, or, or if they run it back with Pickett in twenty four. The question has to be why? What is giving you that confidence? It almost becomes a sunk cost policy of, well, we drafted the guy and he's our first round guy, so we play him. Well, that that can't be the reason alone. Look, if he doesn't play any better than he's played to to date uh, on, on a more continual basis, should they should they look at it? Yes. And, well, and to, go ahead. Well, they, no. <laughs> uh, you, yeah, I think you're right about that. And, and, and to me, it, it has to be not just play better, because I think he will eventually play a bit better in some game. He can't play much worse at this point, but like there has to be something that really gives you some hope where you're sitting there stating the case for the guy, not just saying, well, it's better than the really bad it's been. Like there has to be something that gives you confidence. Confidence. There has to be a statement game where you sit there and say, you played a complete game. You played a really strong game. It may have just been one game, but it was, you know, a great game. And there has to be that on your resume through two seasons. And by the end of the season, almost 30, 30 starts that, that says, okay, there's at least that glimmer of hope that we can sit there and talk about and focus on and see and project and work on um, to give you confidence going forward. Well, what what the glimmer of hope will wind up being is, well, a change in offensive coordinator uh, will be the glimmer of hope. No, I, I get that. But it, it, again, at some point, th- those things are valid. But at some point, you have to talk about the quarterback and the man and say, how are you playing? You know, what is your role in this offense sucking? I mean, there has to be something to that than just blaming it on everybody else about, oh, they're doubling pickings and Canada's bad and the O-line and this and that. At some point, it has to go back to the quarterback. Brian Tolini writes in, good morning, Dave and AK. I have two quick questions that may have already been answered at this point in the podcast. One, if we need to see more out of Kenny Pickett, why are we, why are we asking for less? Hmm. Why has Kenny Pickett looked so much worse with a strong run game? Common sense would tell you we would be able to build the pass game off the run. So, yeah, look, you would think that you're running the football better, that, that, uh, that, that, you know, the passing game to some degree would, would get better. And it's not, uh, and he says, if we need to see more out of Kenny Pickett, why are we asking for less? I don't know if that's a reference to the very conservative nature of the offense. I don't know if that's where that's going. Um, I just feel like they're trying to lean on their run game and their defense and just making sure the picket takes care of the football and they're conservative because they just don't have the confidence that he's making the plays to, to win games right now. Chris Lookart writes out, uh, good morning, fellas. I think the most frustrating part about the Steelers this year is that they will end up winning nine or 10 games, squeaking into the playoffs just to lose badly in the first round. Then we end up picking at 19th or 20th overall, and we never end up with a blue chip prospect. We are historically bad, but we'll screw up the draft. Uh, he says, I'll ride or die my entire life, but that's what always happens. He says, uh, look here, here's the big fears. They get into playoffs and they mess up and win a game. <laughs> no, I'll take that, man. <laughs> I, my, my concern is they're going to be the one and done. I think the reader outlined it perfectly. So they're going to be just good enough to get in the playoffs. At like, yeah, but what if, what if they get in nine or 10 wins, they get in, uh, they, they, they win in very Steelers typical fashion in that first playoff game, uh, 16 to 13, and then lose the next week. I mean, I look, we both went into this season saying, uh, a successful season is winning a playoff game. 
But, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, what if it looks like the 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 rest of this has looked? Um, I mean, I'll just be happy to win a playoff game because that drought's been been that bad. So we'll cross that bridge and see exactly what it looks like. But I mean, to win a playoff game, I, I think you know that that's some sign of progress there. Jordan writes in from Central PA. What's up, David Knox? Tough loss. I watched the game yesterday with my brother, who's an Eagles fan. He says to me, at what point does it become disrespectful to your locker room to not make a change at quarterback? Those guys like TJ and Cam, who are giving you their prime years, knowing they have to play at a top five level just to have a chance with this offense. What are your thoughts? Also, do you agree uh, that you have to at least change the quarterback room up behind Kenny uh, via draft free agency. If you're going to keep him as a starter in 2024, uh, we've already addressed a lot of that. I mean, I, I don't want to rehash uh, everything, but I mean, I wanted, wanted to let Jordan voice his voice there. So, I mean, we've, we've already addressed, you know, not directly answers that, but we, we, we've talked a lot about that this podcast, right? Yeah. I, I just think maybe there's a frustration there because at some point Tomlin, you know, hasn't, he's yet to say, you know, Pickett's got to be better. I mean, he did say, you know, we need to see more. That was kind of the, the closest he's gotten to a critique of Kenny Pickett. Um, I think it was a frustration of like, you know, it's everybody but Kenny, and and that can't be the case. Now, maybe internally it's different, and I'm sure there's a different conversation uh, inside that locker room, but that's my outsider view. At the very least, would you go ahead? I mean, it's another thing not going to happen, but go ahead and fire Matt Canada. Let, let Mike Sullivan have his run at it just so you can go down that road. Mid-season, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, right now. I mean, at this point, you are pretty far deep in the year. I'm not opposed to it. Um, I, I do think Canada has been better over the last month. I think it's been more picket than Canada. I think this game was probably likely more evenly split between both guys. They're going to have to see the all 22 on that. So I, I can't say that definitively. Um, but if they did that, it's not going to not going to break my heart. Right, but 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 it would it would at least get you past the uh, Sullivan uh, <laughs> hurdle. The Sullivan hurdle? Yeah. What do you mean by the Sullivan well, By hurdle? making a change and let him take over for the rest of the season and things not getting better. That way you're, you say, well, we tried it with him. You know, that way you unequivocally can go outside the organization. Yeah. Well, I think regardless, they probably should at this point. Um, right. Yeah. I, again, I agree. Yeah. It, I don't think it would hurt. And again, I know that there's only so much you can change in season. You're not changing your whole playbook, but I do think there's a game plan approach and game flow kind of thing that, it can be addressed that will have some improvement. You see that with Buffalo, you see that with the Raiders, you're seeing some spark and some change whenever those guys, those teams are making in season coaching changes. All right. I mean, a lot of these are looking like the same emails here. Luis Diaz writes in uh, from Mexico city. All right, uh, Luis. Hello from Mexico city. Two questions. The last Browns possession was like, I was expecting to be the last two of the Steelers be the last two of the Steelers, not complicated throws, simple readings and quick slants is pick it that bad that can't hit those or slants or slants are simply not called at all. Look, we've been talking about in breaking routes forever in a day uh, there, why, why they're not using uh, um, uh, more of those kind of things and, and getting the, uh, the wide receivers yesterday, Alex, not that they had a lot of catches or yards, 11 yards after the catch. It's more than what I would have guessed, to be honest with you, on a day where you throw for 106. Um, I would have guessed it would have been worse. Uh, number two, how is it possible that the Steelers are so bad on screens? Most of them, if they work, is flagged on the O-line. The only ones that work are when Warren breaks five tackles. Yeah, <laughs> it just, it's, it you know, uh, timing and 
you know, timing interrupted a few of these, pressure interrupted a few of these uh, situations. It just it's it's horrible to watch uh, them try to run these screens. Uh, one last one from Sim Football Critic. What's up, guys? Stating the obvious here, but I need to get it, get in an opinion from guys I respect. Guinea is not playing well. No way around that. But how much of it is is, is uh, of it is direction from Matt Gant? Look, it, it's we've we've made sure that, that you know that that we don't just put put it all on one. But you know, we've got twenty something games with Kenny. He says my biggest issue with Canada is his situational play calling and route concepts. It appears that Kenny is locking in on one target way too often. My question is, is that coming from Canada? There are definitely times when Kenny isn't seeing the field, but it sure feels like the design of the play is telling Kenny to predetermine his read. Uh, look, it, it, it's everything, but Kenny's missing the layups too. He has. And yeah, I mean, every offense has a, a primary read based on either the play call and or what the coverage are showing you. So there's always something to look at first. There's a structure and there's a, you know, kind of one, two, three aspect to the quarterback play. Um, again, it, it, it's both maybe the conclusion really is just that neither is NFL material. Maybe right. that's just a, t- a takeaway to have in, in one sweet and short sentence. Right. Uh, one last one from Hank Moose. Hey, guys, this one's entitled Bubba Bubby Pickett. <laughs> ooh, ooh, deep cut. Uh, he says it is easy to point to incompletions when a quarterback is struggling. But how about uh, how about some bad uh, about how bad some of the passes are that Kenny completed took a great catch by Pickett to bail him out on one really hard to see anything positive from this guy yeah we talked about that one to Pickett uh or to Pickens early in the show there uh even his completions really aren't looking all that fantastic right now no yeah Brewster again he literally is now tied with Brewster as the only two quarterbacks in Steelers history to go six straight games minimum 15 pass attempts in a single season uh, without a pick, uh, but not the Brewster was uh, remembered fondly in, in Steelers history. So I, I call it a Kent Graham like moment yesterday for mm. for Kenny Pickett. So we're at uh, we're at a bad stage right now. If you couldn't tell. All right, uh, we appreciate all the emails. There's just there's so many in here, and and a lot of them say the same things right now. So uh, uh, we got to get to the all 22 that just dropped, and obviously uh, start working towards uh, the Steelers playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, this, 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 this next weekend, what kind of feels like a, uh, gotta have it kind of, kind of, kind of game there. So, uh, we will dissect through the all 22, go through that several times. Uh, obviously Mike Tomlin will talk to the media on Tuesday. Uh, we'd like to wish everybody, uh, well, let's see, we'll be back before Thursday. So we'll, we'll hold off on the yeah, thing. And a live stream tonight, uh, right. 7 PM Eastern time. So if you didn't get a question answered, then you can ask uh, Dave and I tonight. Yeah, show up at the live stream and and uh, tonight. Let let's let's have a good turnout there and uh, talk a little. We'll, we'll answer probably a lot of the same questions, but maybe if you have a different uh, kind of one to throw out there, maybe we can get to that tonight as well at seven Eastern time. So let's see. In the meantime, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button. Uh, or yeah. And then also if you like an ad free version of the site, find the, uh, ad free button there. So until Wednesday, as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.